You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're so happy to have you here this week. I'm Leon Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer, I'm a producer, and we are finally drying out after three straight weeks of rain. Right, Liz? Yeah, this is Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California. Super wet beginning for the new year, but starting to dry out. Uh, I'm a marketer, I'm a podcaster, and it's just you and I today, Leon, right? That's right. Julie's off, but she'll be back next week uh, and she'll fill us in on what she's been up to. But Liz, our question of the week this week, what are you doing to celebrate Betty White's 101st birthday? (laughs) Do you have plans today? It's today. Oh, it's today. Okay. Well, you know, my favorite Betty White is um, game show Betty White. I like like password Betty White. I like match game Betty White. I think maybe I'll just find a couple of old password episodes on YouTube or something and get game show Betty White. (laughs) Well, my tip off that it was her birthday was the fact that um, uh, the Hallmark Channel is showing a full day of Golden Girls capped off by a Hallmark movie starring Betty White. I was like, what's happening? And then I started getting emails from all of the animal charities that I donated to because, you know, she was a huge animal fan, That's particularly right. the Los Angeles Zoo here in L.A. So they're saying it's be- it's the Betty White Challenge. Donate to your favorite animal uh, animal okay. charity. All right. So, so, you know, stand by Humane Society and L.A. Zoo. I think some Betty White love is coming, coming your way today. Uh, would have been Betty's 101st birthday, oh, FYI. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh. oh, oh, you know what? Speaking of that, I have another um another inside detail on another 101st uh birthday party that oh. I just read about in Spare. So oh, I'm gonna- Spare. Oh, yes. you're reading Harry's memoir. Yeah, okay. I am. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that. I mean, I know it's been covered everywhere, but now I'm listening to the audiobook. So I just have a few one-off details that have really stuck with me. Not getting as much press as other stuff, but okay. just some fun nuggets. List some nuggets. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. All right. You actually went on a road trip though. You're gonna tell us about. I did, yeah. Vegas, baby. <laughs> I drove there and back and had like a day and a half of like work stuff and some fun stuff, including, as promised on last week's episode, a visit to Martha Stewart's new restaurant there, The Bedford. Complete review. Complete review for you. I'm the Bedford. I'm I'm proud of you, Liz. Well, and then I went on the love boat, the Princess Discovery. (laughs) What are we doing? What are I we don't doing? Know. <laughs> I don't know. Who are we, list? But we're doing it. We are doing. We're bringing stuff to you for our satellite sisters and misters. <laughs> we want you to have a full experience today. We do have some news stories, an allergy news story. I want to alert people to Liz. You have all the things from our mailbag that we didn't respond to in the end of 2022. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that. There are some things that come into our mailbag that just make me laugh. So we have a little bit of a mailbag dump. That's all. All right. And I have some follow-ups to some important stories we talked about earlier, including the blow drying versus air drying controversy that I mentioned, the uh, investigative report done by Real Simple Magazine, Liz. I've been doing my own 
own investigative report on okay. what's better for your hair, blow drying versus air drying. It's a follow-up. It's a follow-up. And we have some entertaining sisters as well. Uh, but first, so how is the drive to Vegas? Okay. You know, Vegas is about four and a half hours from Los Angeles. So I did the math and I figured out like, by the time I drive to LAX, park my car, get on the bus, go to the terminal, get there early, blah, 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 blah. It's going to take me more than more than four hours anyway. So that's why I drove. And it was fine on my way there. Uh, you know, and it's through the Mojave Desert. Part of it is actually kind of beautiful. Part of it, not. But anyway, so then coming home Sunday morning, boom, I said, I'm like two hours into the Mojave Desert. And my coolant light starts flashing, Leanne. And oh. you know me, what I would normally do is just ignore it because that's what I do. But you gave me a talking to this summer. At one point this summer, you borrowed my car and a couple of warning lights were on on my dashboard <laughs> that I had just been ignoring. And you were like, what is this? How can, <laughs> how can you not how can you be grab around? I can't. <laughs> so the cooling light was flashing, but it made me mad because on uh, Friday, I had gone to the Valvoline and like changed my oil and had them top up. Cool oh, okay. You know, so, so that happens so much that just when you do all the right things, then they screw up your lights somehow. I don't know. Right. So I didn't right. know. Is this real? Is this fake? Should I ignore it? I had your voice in my head. Don't ignore it. I'm thinking <laughs> I'm in the middle of the Mojave Desert. There's another giant rainstorm blowing in. What if I just break down in the middle of the Mojave? That's not good. So I stopped. It said, stop, turn off your car and check your coolant. So I stopped. I turned off my car and I thought, I don't know how to check my coolant. How do I do that? Yeah. So then, then I watched a YouTube video on my phone about how to check your coolant while I'm sitting in the parking lot. I got up. I actually opened the hood of my car and checked my coolant and the coolant looked fine to me. I, so I got back in my car and the light had gone off at this point. So that's good. Then I drove home. And when I was about 30 minutes from home, the light went on again, but I knew it wasn't my problem, Leanne. So there you go. Hmm. So I actually attended to my car in a way that was, I don't know, productive, not productive. I made it home. That's the key, right? Liz, that's good. Oh, I mean, especially it wasn't super hot in the Mojave right now, right, but it is right. a surprisingly big climb out of that desert. That's some elevation. Yes. It is a little tough on your engine. So yes. you did the right thing. You did the right yes. thing, Liz. I'm proud so, of you. So I spent the whole second half of the trip just staring at the engine temp gauge. <laughs> it's relaxing. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, let's talk about Vegas because- Man, yeah. there's some there's some action going on in Vegas. I hadn't been there in quite a while, obviously not during the pandemic and not for a little while before then. But I had forgotten that Las Vegas is just a riot of concepts. You know, it's just concepts all smashing up next to each other. It's like this place is ancient Egypt and this place is Paris and this place is, I don't know, New York, New York. And then and no one concept is enough because then you walk into the place that's supposed to be Paris. But then what's in there, you get the restaurant is like old timey Mexico. And then there's Gordon <laughs> Ramsay. And then there's Nobu. And they're all just smashed together. Cons a riot. <laughs> Of concepts. It which is for, true. Which for me is sort of a brand discipline person is hard. I just think it's emotionally hard to see so many concepts smashing, smashing, smashing. And then here's the thing. Next week is Chinese New Year. So they have all the Chinese New Year decorations up on top of the riot of concepts. You have these giant rabbits everywhere, everywhere. And the red lanterns and the whole thing. So it's like, it's 
guess what? Las Vegas is a scene, people. <laughs> so then, you know, I was doing some work. I told you I was working with some young professional athletes to get them ready for the summer, to do media work and things. And that was really fun because they were very smart, very interesting. Uh, but one night I stole away from the group because I knew that I had obligated myself on last week's show to go visit the Bedford. And <laughs> the Bedford, not that anyone in Las Vegas would know, the Bedford is, uh, that's Martha's like farmhouse, right? It's right. Like, it, so, well, so she lives in Bedford, New York. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yes. So that's yes. Yeah, she could yes. So that she lives in Bedford, New York. Yeah. So she has created a little mini version of her Bedford, New York farmhouse in the middle of this riot of other concepts. So, you know, she's actually right next to Lisa Vanderpump has a restaurant. So Martha. The Bedford and Vanderpump are right next to each other. I, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. <laughs> Come on, Martha, have some uh, whatever. So, um, what hotel is it actually in? This is the thing. It's at the Paris. Okay. And so you walk in, and the whole in like it's decorated as Paris, but apparently that is not enough of a concept, Paris, because then <laughs> then you get the old timey Mexico, and you get the Gordon Ramsay, and you get the Nobu, that's right across from the Bedford. Just a riot of concepts, Leanne. So, but what Martha said about her restaurant is that it's a recreation of her farmhouse, but it's French-inspired cuisine, and, a oh. and some of her favorite recipes. So, there's really? Some- it's French? But not really, because it's it's farmhouse Martha. Okay, it's farmhouse Martha. But then you open. I mean, it's it's very soothing inside there. It's soothing gray. She has beautiful glassware, but the riotous noise from the casino is, of course, spilling into the restaurant. I think I posted a little video on our Instagram of me standing in front. You just it's hard to know what's going on there because there's just screaming and lights and then anyway. So. So I go in and it, re- it really is very nice. I just sat at the bar because I was by myself. Nice marble bar in the gray and that th- it looked really nice. And then, you know, you open them and then go, oh, I'll order a drink. And the first three drinks are the uh, the Martha Tini, the Martha Rita, and then like the Martha Chardonnay. So you know what you're in for there when your first three, three choices are named a- after Martha. Famous um, French Martha Rita's too. <laughs> I know. Yes, this is again. I do not understand. Oh, okay, a little brand consistency here, people. But it's okay. It's Vegas. Anything goes. Anything right. Goes. That is true. So I ordered the uh, just a frise salad, somewhat mm-hmm. français, and, uh, and then the ragu. It's a short rib ragu. I thought that sounded delicious. Again, yeah, not, not French, but it. Felt felt very Martha to me, or maybe ragu is French. Is it ragu is French? I thought it was a New England place. I assumed it was like popovers and and no. and, and pot roast. Okay, no, no, that's what I thought too until I got there. So um, anyway, the servers were really nice, and the people people were very chatty. You know, sitting at the bar, everyone was talking to each other. So one of the appetizers was, um, of course, oysters Rockefeller. Which is not French or okay. well, I don't know what concept <laughs> that is, but okay. people next to me enjoyed the oysters Rockefeller. On the other side, there were some other people that were from San Diego. We were chatting. Then this guy came in and sat right next to me, and he was wearing um a white white polo, um 
uh, a white sweater over that and like super pale blue jeans. So, you know, vaguely sort of preppy looking, um, but he was carrying a bottle of beer as he walked into the restaurant. And I thought, would Martha approve of that? Probably not. But then again, it's Vegas. I know our mother would not approve of that. (laughs) Men walking around with a bottle of beer. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, so we chatted and everyone was comparing what they were eating. So, um, so, so it was good. But I think they have two big gimmicks going here, Leanne. Yeah. One is the Ocetra upsell. Uh, So you can order some like semi-normal thing. And then they put like $200 worth of caviar on it. Boom. You're upsold into the caviar version. Oh, really? Yeah. And the other thing is uh, table side prep. That's, you know, it's it's a show. It's, very it's a show. Right. Yeah. It's a show. So what do they prep table side? That's so, okay. I mean. <laughs> this is what's so hilarious. Okay. So the, the main table side prep is the uh, smashed potato. So oh, my gosh. <laughs> Baked potato. They roll. They roll a card over it. The 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 person did it right behind me. It's weird when you're sitting at the bar and you order that because then it's all happening behind you anyway. Oh. The guy next to me ordered it. So they smash it against a wooden board and then they garnish with it with creme fraiche and other toppings and of course the Ocetra upsell. So like <laughs> on the menu, on the menu it's fifteen bucks, but with the Ocetra upsell, two hundred and sixty-seven dollars. <laughs> Mashed potato. <laughs> of course, because it's a French farmhouse concept, she's got her mother's pierogies on the menu too. Okay. Um, so with hear me the say upsell. It, the, the, oh, upsell. <laughs> so you can add a hundred dollars in caviar to uh Big Martha's pierogies. So that is that's all happening. Um, and pe- but people are enjoying themselves. So the people next to me, um we were uh, we were chatting. They really liked the restaurant that used to be there. So they were oh. telling me all about there used to be an Italian restaurant, and they were big fans of the meatball salad at the previous oh. restaurant. So, but they, but they were enjoying okay they were enjoying their Martha dishes. She and the woman said, "I wish we could have gotten here for the grand opening, but we just couldn't make it." And uh, so then our server said, oh, the grand opening was great. She said, Martha has been here twice uh, since the restaurant opened, which is a lot. That is a lot. So it's not just slap her name on. She said, she said, and we've, you know, she's trained us. It was very fun. Oh, so she was serving me. I asked for a glass of red wine to go with my uh, short rib ragu. And so she's, I said, what is your like house Cabernet? She said, it's the, it's the Chapelet. And she, she hold, held it up. She said, that's probably not the way I'm supposed to pronounce it. And I, I said, <laughs> I said, I said, yeah, Martha might not approve of that. She said, actually, they gave us videos to study so that we could, with Martha pronouncing everything on the menu, so we could learn how to pronounce everything the way Martha pronounces it. So that's some pretty complete training. And she had a Martha insight, which I had never heard before, but this is the last thing I will share with you on the Martha thing. Is she said, like, for instance, do you know that she pronounces grapes, greps? (laughs) I was like, I have no, thank you. I I have never, she said, I said, so are you required to say greps? She said, no, no, I just noticed that that's, she had sort of a funny way of pronouncing grapes. And uh, 
there you go. So I think in the Martha, in the Bedford, you're getting Martha and you're getting not Martha, but you're also, because it's Vegas, getting a lot of chatty people around you, fun to talk to. Everyone is willing to pass judgment. Everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. That's what I would say. All right, Liz, that's a good report. That's a good report. It sounds like it might be a good place to stop in for a glass of vino and like one smashed potato without the upsell. Without the upsell. Just try not to fall victim to the upsell. Yeah, I I think you're right. But but it was pretty full. I mean, it was a Saturday night, so it was full. Anyway, that's it. It's French farmhouse, meatball, caviar, upsell with excellent glassware. Wow. All right. Well, Liz, I had a a similar sort of extraordinary experience this weekend. I was invited on a press tour of the uh, Discovery Princess, so a a big cruise ship that was docked in San Pedro. uh, And they have a new program on it called 360, an extraordinary experience. And it's fully immersive, Liz. Okay. You walk in and you're invited to I'm going to tell you, Liz, because I didn't understand it. Uh, I thought I was just going to get a quick tour of the boat and like try a few cocktails and head out. But no, Liz, I was in for a 360 degree uh, experience, a sixth sense journey showcasing spectacular cuisine and movies and imagery and scents and visuals of the whole Mediterranean. So we made stops in Santorini and the Amalfi Coast and Barcelona and Provence. We're ushered into a room, Liz, we're ushered into a dining room that seats just 20 people. It's in the round. It's surrounded by screens. There's lights. Of course, we're led into this room by beautiful violin players. And guess what they're playing, Liz? They're playing the theme to the love boat, Liz. Of course they are. (laughs) I'm playing the theme to the love boat. It wasn't the theme to Titanic. (laughs) No. Theme for the love boat. We're introduced to our maitre d' for the night. A fleet of servers come in. And the next thing you know, for two hours, Liz, we are taken on. It's sort of a Stanley Tucci meets Disney, you know, meets with fantastic food for two hours. There's no one's taking out their cell phones. You're not allowed to do that. You're just experiencing here we are in Greece and meet some olive growers. And then here's the olive oil. And then, oh, you smell the olive oil that's coming through. <laughs> and the, Soaring over uh, America. Okay. It's exactly that list. But again, with an unbelievable seven course meal, Liz, it was a seven course meal. I had no idea. <laughs> Again, and this was were, in the middle of and, the day you were doing this. <laughs> in the middle of the day, I drove through the atmospheric river to get there. I felt like I swam to the boat and got on. <laughs> and then we we're just ushered into this. I really enjoyed it. I've never been on a big cruise ship. It was beautiful. The only problem is they had to leave early. The crews had to, oh. I guess, what's called disembark or embark. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. One of the, one leave of leave early. I got you there. <laughs> Um, because because the weather weather, was, they wanted to get out of town. Yeah. Okay. So we just had the lunch. We never got the tour, but I mean, it was an incredible meal. And I said, I was surrounded by travel journalists. So I said, is this what the food on the princess is usually like? And they're like, oh yes, it has the best food of all the ships. I mean, it was spectacular. We had wine, Liz, from the, from the ash of the Pompeii volcano. (laughs) We had another red wine that they aged (laughs) in the surf. Storytelling, as they say. (laughs) I loved it, Liz. Our 
the whole the visuals are our table like which was a marble top table uh like all of a sudden you, it's a greek it's a you know it's a they projected things on it so it's like oh a check tablecloth when you're in greece or oh here are honeybees when you're going through the lavender fields in france or oh here's you know it's going to be roman stones and wait they're projecting that on the table on the table list and you could wave your hands over it and things would happen or you could press things and there would be sounds 360 degrees so uh and then the best part liz was that the whole tour the whole storytelling was set up by Gen X icon, my girl, Brooke Shields. Okay. So she was there. No, she was on screen. She's on screen. She's that. It felt like she was there, Liz, because it's an immersive experience. (laughs) And she was playing romance writer, Bethany, taking her first voyage to the Mediterranean. So you're, you're, you're listening to Brooke and she's taking you through places and then you stop to eat and then Brooke comes back and she wants to take you to another place. Oh, and she's had an extraordinary experience. I loved the whole thing. I was completely in for the moment. We, so this is right now just on the Discovery Princess, but I guess they're going to roll it. The Enchanted Princess will also be having it. I had a ton of fun. It was, I could see if you're out on a cruise for five or six days, this is an extraordinary way to spend yeah. a night. I mean, I really felt like I was in the Mediterranean. So, and then I swam back to my car in the parking lot <laughs> and headed home. But I loved it. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'd never done wow, anything. Like I cannot that. believe the dining adventures we were having the, since our last episode. This is not yeah. normally the way no. we live our lives. So those no. are no two big dining experiences. So well, anyway, as long as we're talking about travel, I do have sure. a little travel follow-up from my story last week about how Captain Brian Jackson of United Airlines saved my holiday trip to Hawaii. Go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it. This guy, I'm still grateful to to Captain Jackson. Well, I had posted that, and then the United Airlines had a video about Captain Jackson on their website. So I posted that in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group because I thought people would like to know more about the man who saved my Christmas vacation. Mm -hmm. And uh, listener Diane wrote in there to say that she had seen Captain Jackson when he spoke at her daughter's graduation from United Flight School, from the initial phase of flight school, he was the speaker and like she got her wings from Captain Jackson. Wow. So, so I feel like we now have like two official pilots of the Satellite Sisterhood. We have Captain Jackson mm-hmm. and we have Diane Holton's daughter. So, <laughs> so, I, so I wrote, I'm, as I explained, Captain Jackson is in charge of all of the pilots, all of the United pilots at LIX. So I asked Diane, where is her daughter going to be based? Where is she flying out of? And she said she's based at SFO and will fly the 757 starting in a couple of weeks. She had to take a break for deployment in the Air Force Reserves where she flew her 100th combat sortie. So, wow, that that is amazing. I, I consider this like a complete Satellite Sisters full circle moment. That's unbelievable. That's a great story. Captain Jackson bringing us all together. And Diane, (laughs) you must be very proud. Thank you for letting us know about your daughter. So if you're embarking or disembarking or whatever, planing or deplaning on a 757 in an SFO, take a look in the cockpit to see if maybe Diane's daughter is there.
We want to thank ButcherBox for being a sponsor of Satellite Sisters and a sponsor for a long time. We appreciate that kind of support. And listeners, if you love Satellite Sisters, we really believe you're going to love ButcherBox, where you can get incredible deals on premium cuts of beef. And deals this good are hard to come by even at the grocery store. All right. What we love about ButcherBox? Convenience. High quality meat and seafood you can trust that shows up right at your doorstep with free shipping always. And you can curate that customized box plan. And you know who this is perfect for, Jewel? No, laying what? The meal preppers in your life. Okay, meal prepping now is being taken to a whole new level. We used to just think of it as making a few things on Sunday, but no, people are on top of it. They are planning out their meals for the week. And ButcherBox is designed for this. It's perfect. You get these proportioned, you know, high quality meat servings that come right in. It's right in your freezer. You can look ahead for the week ahead and go, okay, I've got chicken. I've got the salmon. I've got the scallops. Oh, I've got steak tips. Fantastic. My week is done. So if you're a meal prepper, you're getting organized with your meals this week, ButcherBox is for you. I absolutely love the quality. This is exactly how I plan my meals. Looking in my freezer, what do I have? Let's go. So we want to tell you, Satellite Sisters, about a great deal. The key to becoming a meal prep master? Stay stocked up on the essentials. ButcherBox is here to help you do just that. They're offering Satellite Sisters listeners their choice of a weeknight meal must-have. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year, plus $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free offer and get $20 off. That's right. Butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Thanks, ButcherBox. Hi, all. It's Leanne Dolan from Satellite Sisters. And you know what my definition of self-care is? Any product from OseaMalibu.com. That's right. We love the beautiful body care products at OseaMalibu.com. And we love that they've supported Satellite Sisters for a long time. That's how it works. The sponsors support us. You support the sponsors. We continue to produce Satellite Sisters content for you. And you know what? We do it with really great looking skin. This is the year of Andaria Algae Body Butter. If you have not tried this amazing product yet, 2024 is your year because Andaria Algae Body Butter is Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable product. It makes a glowing choice for achieving your new year body care and self-care goals. I got to tell you, you put this stuff on. First of all, we've said it before, you want to eat it. Secondly, you put it on, it makes your skin feel so smooth and hydrated. And that lasts for days. You know, have you ever had a beauty product that kind of fades out and an hour later, you're like, what happened there? Not the case with the famous Andaria Algae Body Butter. It's not your typical body butter, and that's why it works better. It's made with ingredients that's normally reserved for your face, like the Andaria seaweed and the ceramides, and it can transform your dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple. So make it happen in 2024. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Mosia. Right now, we have a special discount just for our satellite sisters and misters. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. You get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. 
Okay, we're back. You know, Liz, a couple of news stories I wanted to talk about today. One really caught my eye because food allergies are a big deal. I'm sure Mm -hmm. many people in the satellite sisterhood have food allergies or have family members who have food allergies. And you know, like once a food allergy enters your family, everybody has to be aware of it and you have to do a lot of label reading. So my son, my older son, Brooks, developed an allergy to sesame seeds uh, in high school. It wasn't apparent when he was younger, but all it took was a boy eating three sesame seed bagels to land him in the hospital with, you know, a really serious reaction for which he needed a lot of steroids uh, to come down from that. And so ever since I've been reading all the labels for sesame and he has, he was old enough. He does a very vigilant job of making sure he doesn't have any sesame seeds seem to be his problem. But his allergist has always said, just be extra cautious. I wouldn't eat the oil. I wouldn't eat the flour. You know, just stay away from sesame at all costs. So, um, and sesame seeds is the fastest growing allergy in America for whatever reason now, like it's the number four allergy uh, behind some of the better known ones. So allergy, so there've been a lot of parents out there and people out there, health advocates, um, trying to get uh, products labeled for sesame, just the way you see them labeled for peanuts and other things like that. So a new law went into effect January 1 that products now have to be labeled if they contain sesame. And I'm thinking, well, this is great, you know, because I really do have to check everything when he comes over, every cracker, every salad dressing. That's why I make all my own salad dressings now because it's not even worth it. There's sesame in so many. So, um, but this new labeling law is having unintended consequences consequences because food industry experts say the requirements for testing are so stringent that many manufacturers, especially bakers, find it simpler and less expensive just to add sesame into the product and label it than to try to keep it away from other foods at the same time. Oh, so they're just adding it to the label. They're not actually adding it to the product. It's more that they're just listing it as a potential ingredient because it's easier. No, they're adding it to the product. They are adding small amounts of sesame flour. If you're making a breadstick, for instance, or a roll, but it may be made, you know, say you're making hamburger rolls with and without sesame in the same bakery, Uh like the ones without sesame, they may, they may have some exposure to the sesame seeds on the other side. So they're just adding sesame flour because it's just easier than doing the testing or trying to keep the allergens apart. Oh, so wow. it's so it's really backfired on yes. some of these advocates who really wanted this labeling. So instead of knowing, oh, okay, this food, I'll stay away from this one safe. It's just like more foods are going to be labeled with sesame because they're putting scant amounts of sesame flour in them just to save time and money. Okay, well, so that's just so, not what we intended. No, Sorry, I know. Sesame people. I know. I know. So, I mean, and it was funny. I had a conversation. There was a good article in the LA Times. We'll have a link to it in our show notes if you want more information on this. But we had a, you know, I had a conversation with Brooks. He's like, hey, did you see they're finally going to start labeling sesame? And I was like, yeah, bad news. Also, I'm going to send you this article. But it seemed like a good idea. And now there may be more sesame in in more products that you never even conceived of there being sesame in. So there you go. I know it's too bad, but I just want to give people a heads up if you're dealing with the food allergy. So time consuming dealing with the food allergy. And they're, you know, they're real. Like I have seen Brooks in restaurants when the waiters are like, is this a preference or is this an allergy? Like he he sort of has to justify his allergy. And I 
I get it. But um, so I thought this was going to make life easier for him, but not so much. Okay. That's so, too bad. There you, it is. It is too bad. All right. Here's another news story that. Um, all right, Liz, this one is from the New York Times and uh, quite a few people sent it to me. Uh, there's something at a bar in Ann Arbor called the Geezer Happy Hour. Okay. Geezer <laughs> Happy hour. The okay. silver tsunami. And this happens <laughs> at a local bar there in Ann Arbor every Friday night from September to May. There's an off-campus dance club uh, in the thriving college town. And they create a special happy hour for people pretty much 65 plus. Like there are no age restrictions listed, but that is who attends. And here's the thing. They have live bands. They have cheap beer. People are dressed up. They're flirting. But the whole thing starts at 6.30 and ends at 9 p.m. Excellent. <laughs> early, and, bird, early bird bar action for boomers. Yeah. And it's fun to see. It's really fun to see the pictures because people are making an effort. They're not there in their leisure suits, Liz. They're trying to look good. They're, they're dancing. They're drinking. They're having a lot of fun. You know, they're, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of festivity there. And then they all go home by nine o'clock and yeah. at the club at 10 o'clock is a whole different club for young people and students. As, so it, should be. As yeah. it should be. Isn't that a great idea though? That, that <laughs> seems like an idea yeah. that's going to spread. Yeah. Well, I would like to see it branch out. Like I do not think of myself as a geezer. This feels a little boomer to me, but I would be totally up for Gen X happy hour. You know, bring me my music of the eighties. I would love that. The early nineties, we started six 30. That's totally fine. And then. We... Uh, okay. Fantastic. okay. <laughs> and then uh, I'd like to see a Broadway happy hour. How about that? How about just Broadway fans? Yes. They get to like sing, do karaoke to Broadway. That would be fantastic. That's a really good idea. Of course, there are piano bars in New York where you can do that, but not that many other places. But from six to nine? Oh, yeah. That's, that's true. the key for old Broadway fans, not young Broadway fans. So I'm sure they'd like karaoke. I'm sure there could be a tap happy hour. I hope this spreads just like something fun for those of us who can't really or don't really choose to stay up past 9 p.m. anymore. Okay. Tappy hour. Tappy hour. That's what we want to see. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Liz. That's the Vegas concept for you. Happy <laughs> hour. Make it happen, Liz. Make it happen. <gasps> okay. All right. Well, now it's time for the promised uh, mailbag dump. Uh, because, you know, we do have an email address. Please jot this down. If you've got the dry erase marker and you want to just write it on your car window, go for it. It is... Um, Hello at SatelliteSisters.com. But many organizations other than actual listeners have that email address. And so we get a lot of pitches, don't we, Leanne, for a lot of yes. things that people think we should talk about on Satellite Sisters. Most of them, mm, no way. Uh, <laughs> but some of them do make us laugh. And yeah. as a former publicist myself, I appreciate the the length that some PR people go to to make their boring pitch sound super exciting <laughs> and timely, right? <laughs> because some of these assignments are hard. Like, yeah. okay, what if you were you're doing PR for a local real estate company? What are you going to do, Lynn? What are you going right. to do? I don't well, know, Liz. Okay. Well, here's what you're going to do because we got this one. I'm. This is the best. Harry and Meghan related pitch. Because this is, I saw it, the, the the subject line was the Harry and Meghan mansion. And I'm like, oh, 
we're getting invited to go visit to tour Harry and Meghan's <laughs> mansion. Okay, I might do that. Well, no, it turns out that this is the the Megan the, the house where they shot the Netflix special, which of course wasn't really their house. That is for sale. And so if you would like to tour the house where they shot the Netflix special, they they could probably arrange that. And by the way, uh it's on the market for $33.5 million. But wow. I thought, I thought, okay, good for you. You got me to read it at least. No, I'm not coming to, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. But, you know, Harry and Meghan are really selling these days. So there's that. Next category, I'm calling it the best Emily in Paris pitch. Because, oh, okay, good. Okay. I've seen a lot of those, a lot of those pitches. So many pitches trying to somehow associate themselves to the Emily in Paris phenom. Well, this is it. This is one that is from some kind of database marketing company, but the tidbit in here, because they only need Which a sounds so sexy, a <laughs> yeah. database marketing company. Yeah. Mm. So the, when I, again, the subject line says like Emily in Paris news. And I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get invited to Paris to go meet the cast <laughs> of Emily in Paris. No, I I click on that one. And for this hospitality database situation. I don't even know what this product is. They wanted us to know the nugget, Lee, and the nugget here is that after the premiere of season three of Emily in Paris, searches for the term jobs in Paris increased by 566%. Wow. That's a good nugget. It is a good nugget. I believe that. I think I might've been one of those searches, jobs in Paris. I Emily's job looks it. pretty easy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, it does. And again, hats off to you, publicist. Yeah. This is a hard job publicizing mm-hmm. a database and <laughs> to somehow attach it to Emily in Paris. I salute you. Okay. Then we get a lot of um, email that just asked if we need janitorial services. Uh, mm. a, lot, a lot of janitorial services reaching out. So I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, Satellite Sisters Accountant and Procurement Director Diane Gray, would that fly if Leon and I like hired so-called janitors to clean our houses? Does that become a business expense? Because we could probably, uh, you know, we could talk ourselves into that. Can we? Can we hire a janitor? Probably not. But I just want to put it out there. Uh, okay, next. That category. makes me laugh. Yeah, I yeah, no, no, not a cleaning lady, a janitor. A janitor. That's what I have. That's good. And they do well, other stuff too. I think. <laughs> they'll, you know, they'll only clean the rooms where like we we produce the podcast. Don't worry. Okay, uh, then many trade associations try to reach out. They want you to like come to their trade show, mm. or often it's they're trying to sell you a booth or a listing in their um, catalog. And so for some reason, the Archery Trade Association feels very close to Satellite Sisters. We just, we get a lot of mail from the Archery Trade Association. Like, did we talk about summer camp one we time? We must have. I the Olympics or something with some archery? Yeah. Oh, so it, we popped yes. up. We popped up on a we, search. Would we like to be listed on their trade show attendee list? So, yeah. So (laughs) anyway, so there's that. Uh, Then here's one. Um, This does not seem up our alley. The the pitch is why the greatest gift you can give yourself is a magic mushroom retreat. I think not. I think I think not for us. We should make Julie do that. Just send her that one. (laughs) Tell her we signed her up for it. 
even if we didn't. And there are so, so many books that get pitched to us, of course. And so this one, it just made me laugh. It's just a media opportunity. Cats. <laughs> okay. See, I laughed. Just the first word is cats. Uh, cats, Japan, coffee, and cuisine combine in unforg unforgettable adventure, Whiskers Abroad. Oh, my so, God. That's the pitch for the book, Whiskers Abroad? Whiskers Abroad. I can't. Maybe that's the title. Maybe that's, I don't know. Are we supposed to talk to Whiskers? Who's the interviewee here? Don't know. Don't know. But Japan, cats, coffee, and cuisine. Somebody is wow. trying very hard. Trying very hard <laughs> to make that sound interesting. And again, we salute you, publicists of the world. <laughs> trying to make things sound interesting. We salute you. That is all. Hello at SatelliteSisters.com. Leon and Julie here from Satellite Sisters, and we want to thank our friend Jenny Kane. Hi, Jenny. We love <laughs> Jenny Kane. We know you know it's a California brand through and through, and we love their staples because it makes getting dressed so easy. Minimalist, effortless, but totally refined. And hello, Julie Dolan. That's kind of you. Minimalist, effortless, and totally refined. What have you been wearing from Jenny Kane this week? Leon, I love the cocoon cardigan. It's perfect for the Hot again, cold again, weather we're having, you know, this is sweater weather. And you can just pop on that cardigan. And even if you're wearing something schlumpy underneath, all of a sudden you look elevated and you're ready to go. You look minimalist, effortless, and totally refined when you wear the cocoon cardigan. Yes, I do, Leanne. Uh, I get compliments on it, too, because it's just the perfect thing to put on. Well, that's why we love Jenny Kane, is that everything is beautifully designed and really flatters the wearer. So we want to encourage you to check out everything over at JennyKane.com. You're going to find your new uniform. What is it that you want to put on that just perks up your, your presentation? Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off their first order when they use code SISTERS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at JennyKane.com. And Jenny Kane is spelled J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E. JennyKane.com, promo code SISTERS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Thanks, Jenny. We are so happy at Satellite Sisters to have BritBox as a sponsor. You know, we love it. It's the streaming home of the best British television with exclusive mysteries, crime dramas, comedies, documentaries, and more. Julie, what's your fave? Vera, I love this show. I'm on season 11. I mean, Brenda Blethyn is such a great actress. And the character Liz Vera, I don't know if you've watched it, but she's essentially Margaret Thatcher in a trench coat, okay? <laughs> she is bossing people around and solving crime. I love her. Okay, well, I want to especially recommend Archie. Archie's a brand new limited series. It's starring Jason Isaacs as Archie Leach. Who is he? He's the man who became Harry Grant. And oh. you know what's so interesting about this is it's sort of about how he became a star in old Hollywood, how he went from being Archie Leach to being Harry Grant. But also because it's him growing up in old Hollywood, there are a lot of people in the in the movie playing Doris Day, Grace Kelly, George Burns. It's little snapshots of what it was like to become a movie star back in the day. So I really enjoyed it and recommend. 
So sign up for BritBox today to stream Archie and any other fan favorites from any device you have. So we have a special limited time offer. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for the monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use our promo code SISTERS at checkout. Got it? Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Use promo code SISTERS at BritBox.com. Liz, I wanted to follow up on a couple of things that we talked about either before the holiday or over the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are just, these are, these are not giant news stories, just FYI. So in no particular, they're just tidbits. These are follow-ups on tidbits. Yes. There you go, Liz. They were tidbits to start with it. Now they're really like tiny tidbits. Uh, the first one of all is tater tots. So I think you understand. Oh, tater, it's a tater tot tidbit. tidbit. Okay. So over the holidays, I made a dish with tater tots. Now that is breaking news because that has never happened before. I saw the pioneer woman make a breakfast casserole with tater tots that I thought would be perfect for Christmas morning brunch. And I very, I think it's the first pioneer woman dish I've ever made. So, uh, and I have to say it was delicious. All right. It was tater tots, eggs, cheese, some spices, some veggies, a breakfast sausage. Uh, It was fantastic. My family absolutely loved it. So I felt triumphant and posted a photo. And I heard from everybody in the Midwest, I think they wanted to let me know that what I had just made was a hot dish. I was like, oh, is that what a hot dish is? (laughs) And then my bed, like, I did not realize that heard that term that people in Minnesota or yeah. uh, Wisconsin bring hot dish to everything. I didn't know what that was. Apparently no. it involves tater tots list because my favorite comments were like, Ooh, that's a fancy hot dish. I was like, <laughs> can it be though? It's made with tater tots. I did not know I was entering a whole world of tater tot cuisine. Okay, So it's exciting for me, Liz. I mean, this could be something huge in 2023. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. If there's any particular tater tot dish that I should be making, please email it to us. Hello at Mm satellitesisters.com or post it in the Facebook group. I mean, who knows? That is some real cultural... That's some real cultural learning for you, Leah. I didn't know that. Yes, it is. All hot dishes. Did you know that was a hot dish? No, no. I don't know, Liz. I don't know. Let's get the answer from our people. I just, it blew my mind. So tater tot cuisine, check. Okay, now before the holiday, I did an investigative report, thanks to Real Simple, on what is better for your hair, blow drying versus air drying. And it's counterintuitive because according to studies, Liz, studies, Studies. in, in Real Simple, Air drying is actually better for your hair and scalp because if you let your hair stay wet too long, hydral fatigue sets in, Liz. That means your head is just too wet for too long. Okay. So, so wait a minute. Which is the blow drying is actually better than the air drying? Blow drying is better. Did I say that incorrectly? You, I think you said air drying. I'm just confused, okay. but okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Blow drying is better for your hair. So, and I'm with someone who has air dried my whole life. So for the last six weeks, I have been blow drying my hair as per the real simple instructions. (laughs) And I think you just heard in the ad, my hair looks great, Liz. That's all I want to say. I don't know if it's the pros or if it's the blow drying, but I am totally sold on blow drying. 
And well, now my- I do feel like I have a sense of um, anxiety though. Like how soon does the hydral fatigue set in? Like, do I need to get right out of out of the shower and start blow drying my hair immediately? Is it, or can, do I have a few minutes to like maybe decompress and wrap my head in a towel and, and do that and put body ocean on? So I, I have had some anxiety attached to hydral fatigue, Liz, but now I think I'm okay. getting the timing down. Okay. So well, I can well, say without a doubt. Calm app, Leon. If you have hydral fatigue anxiety... <laughs> Calm app also helps. So you got your calm, you got your pros. <laughs> okay. And then the third thing I want to check in on, this was an Instagram post that uh, I put, posted over the holidays, got a lot of uh, response. Um, our friends over at Happier, the Happier podcast, Gretchen and Liz, uh, they set all kinds of goals for themselves. I mean, good for them, right, Liz? We don't set, we set we very few goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Sometimes we just adopt a few of their goals and call it a day. We don't. <laughs> We are not the goal setting sisters. No, they're so just, they're such an inspiration. So one of their goals for the year 2023 was to be outside for 23 minutes in 2023. Every day, Mm -hmm. at least spend 23 minutes outside. So it's hashtag outside 23 and 23. And I actually thought this sounded attainable and something I wanted to try. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and it would seem like, being in Southern California, how hard could that be? Because yes. we have great weather. Um, well, not for the last three weeks. We've had like literally torrential rain. And 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 thinking about outside 23 and 23, I have like put on my bathing suit and gone swimming in the pouring rain when it's 50 degrees, just so I could do my outside 23 and 23. Good for you. So Good for you. And you know, it, it's not even about exercising. Anything you do outside is fine. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the cool thing. So it's not mm-hmm. about, you don't have to like bust yourself outside for 23 minutes. You can go sit in the park and look at the trees or take a slow walk with your dog or sit on the back porch and watch the sunset. That all works. So I wanted to pass that along to our listeners that that's a great goal. If if you wanted to try it outside 23 and 23, or you can listen to the Happier podcast over there, they can explain it all. But yeah, um, yeah. so I'd happily I mean, embrace that. Yeah, it is a good goal. Uh, you know, after all of the pandemic isolation we've been through, just to remind yourself, like, yeah, outdoor, it's all out there. You, you right. can do it. Just go right. do that. Okay. Right. And I know people live in cold places and it's, oh, it's, it's could be dangerous. That's fine. Don't go outside. <laughs> don't, don't go outside if it's going to hurt yourself. But it's just, it's just sort of embracing that idea that, mm-hmm. you know, breathing in fresh air, going outside, spending a few minutes outside. It's easy to forget to do that sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's worth doing it. Worth doing it. It's very Edna Dolan. Just get, go outside. It is. <laughs> just it is. go out there. It is. <laughs> it is. Okay, Leah, now let's do a little uh, entertaining sisters. We we both wanted to talk about uh, a memoir this week. So I, on my drive to Las Vegas and back again, I listened to the new Paul Newman memoir that is called The Extraordinary Life of an Ordinary Man. And by the way, no, the, how is that? Well, it was different than I expected. You know, remember we okay. talked about this months ago when they announced yeah. it, yeah. that it was, he had started working on this book with a friend of his who is a writer. So instead of sitting and writing it, he just allowed himself to be interviewed for multiple years by one of his closest friends, who was a screenwriter who wrote the the screenplay uh, Rebel Without a Cause. And so this is, so it's a lot of, interviews with Paul Newman 
And he told his friends and family to be as raw and direct and honest as they could be. So it's very, it's very unvarnished. It's very, a lot of details you wouldn't expect about just he, a sort of sadness throughout his whole life. He always felt like he was not, um, he was not worthy of things that maybe he was not a good actor and he was only just attractive. And so he really is very hard on himself talking about his first marriage and how he failed at it. It's hard when he talks about his kids and he says flat out, I was just not a good parent. I really regret uh, not being a good parent. He talks a lot about always feeling like he was not qualified for some of the acting and directing jobs that that he was doing. So I think it's surprising to hear someone like that who's so successful talk about all of their insecurities. And I know that his daughters, who wrote the forward and the afterward to the book, talk about how surprising and really sad it was for them to read all of this. When they finally found the transcripts, they were very surprised at how really sad their father was uh, about his life. Well, this makes me sad. Now I'm yeah. sad, Liz. Yeah, that's why it wouldn't, like, if you wanted the snappy stories of Butch and Sundance behind the scenes on the set, like, yeah, no, this is not that book. It's actually just a very thoughtful review of his life. And there are some highlights, you know, he's so in love with Joanne Woodward. It's just amazing to hear the story of that romance all the way through his life. Uh, but then just a lot of other very hard things happened to him. He, he lost his oldest son to a drug overdose, which he didn't talk right. about for many years, but that's in the book. And I know I read that the daughters had sort of debated did they even want to share that in the book, the way he felt about that and how hard he was on himself about that. But they put that in the book. And uh, but one thing that really stuck out to me is how often he reflects on how hard his life is because of his fame, particularly when it came to parenting. He felt like he could never do what a normal dad could do, you know, just take his kids to the zoo or hang out or go out to, you know, a restaurant and just like have fun with your family. And it's not like he's complaining about it. He's just observing that it just could never be normal. And he faults himself in a lot of ways for the way he parented his kids and but then he said this was always a big factor that his the world being a movie star meant he was either a away a lot or b always like afraid to be out in public with his kids. And you really, you know, I did it just really made me think a lot about the price of fame and how you right. assume that these people who are so famous are like satisfied with their success. And if you read this or listen to this, you'll see that at least in Paul Newman's case. That was not the way he felt at all. It was a really interesting book. Very, yeah, very raw, thoughtful. Not at all the Hollywood memoir that you might have expected. Well, I think a creative career and insecurity go hand in hand, right? I mean, because you're constantly, yeah, I mean, think about it. You're constantly being judged for what you do. I mean, mm -hmm. most people don't go to work at the post office and get a review the next day. Yeah. You know, it's not in the paper. You know, people can't give you five stars for your, your you know, your job as a marketing assistant mm -hmm. at an mm -hmm. ad agency. But, you know, in a creative life, you're really only as good as your last project. I thought about yeah. this a lot in my last book, Lost and Found in Paris. 
the father was a famous artist and fame oh, right. is a big storyline. I've just always been sort of interested in it as well. Like, I know there are a lot of perks and a lot of privileges and a lot of money, but I do think it also comes with a lot of insecurity and bluster and just, yes. Yeah. I think you never quite know who your real friends are and it must just be terrible everywhere you go to be asked for your autograph, to be photographed, Mm -hmm. to have the feeling that eyes are on you. So Mm -hmm. it is a price Mm -hmm. you pay. You know, I I'm listening to spare and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but because everybody else has, but I'm finding it really fascinating. But that is also something that comes through in that book is that if he was just a normal guy who lost his mother and then a whole series of things happened to him, like it would be still be an interesting memoir, but because mm. there's this overlay of just like incredible worldwide fame and attention, uh, the stuff that gets heaped on him when he's 12, 13, 14 years old is, is just astonishing. And, mm. um, and I can see why, why it's hard to deal with again, even if it comes with tremendous amounts of privilege, right. like one story that stuck out for me uh, you know, I'm just going to highlight a few things, just tiny details, because the big storylines everyone is talking about, but a few of the fun details. But one thing that seems sort of up the alley with Paul Paul Newman is like the first public event he did after his mother's death. His mom died when he was 12. Two weeks later, he was back at boarding school, uh, you know, uh, and uh, a couple months after that, he had to go on break and they didn't know what to do with them. So they're like, mm, just go to South Africa with your dad. He's going to, to meet Nelson Mandela. So the first public event he had to do after his mom's funeral was walk the red carpet with his dad and the Spice Girls who were oh, wow. who were performing in South Africa for the first time. And he's talking about like how just he had just turned 13 and people are yelling and screaming at him. And Harry, how are you doing with your mother? Your mother's death. And he's next to Sporty Spice and Posh Spice. <laughs> he said but that is it, so. It twisted. just was the strangest thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. that was one of the details in the book that really stuck out. Like you know, a normal thirteen-year-old who is not famous, and he obviously is more than just famous. They're not dealing with that. Like they're yeah. they're doing something else to deal with their grief, but. Liz, a couple other fun, like tiny things uh, from the first seven hours of Spare, I can tell you, is that, um, first of all, uh, Prince Charles wears a lot of cologne, and it's Eau Sauvage. <laughs> okay, well, that that surprises me. Uh, you <laughs> know, I, I love that the, detail. Here's the tidbit for you. Yeah. Okay. Another tidbit is a, some good QE Queen Elizabeth tidbits. The first is that boy did she love that piper like when she was in Balmoral, that guy played the bagpipes harry's like morning noon and night she would summon that piper to her and she he woke them up in the morning at 9 a.m that's how they all got up bagpipes and he just she wanted him to pipe all day long her the music of her life was the bagpipes okay that's a good detail we saw the piper at her funeral right Yeah. yeah yeah They had a very close personal relationship. He was with her a lot. The other thing I liked, you know, not a lot of cooking from Queen Elizabeth, but she did make one thing, Liz, when they had family dinners. She made the salad dressing, Liz. She (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I would not have expected that. I thought it was going to be like toast or something. Whiskey, whiskeying the vinaigrette. Okay. Those are just a couple of, I mean, there's a million like small little details like that, but just some fun, some fun things in the book. Fun things in the book. In, in other parts, not fun at all, but some fun details. 
Yeah. I just, what a weird environment to grow up in. I, it's a weird environment. It's, it, it definitely is very different. You know, and we saw that we talked about uh, the memoir. Um, I'm glad my mom is dead earlier yes, in the year right. um, from Jeanette McCurdy, who was like a kid's TV star start. She had a completely different life. Weird, bad. She was famous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pressure on her. You know, that led to for her eating disorders, drug addiction, and drinking, and all kinds of things. But also, like her family was dependent upon her. It just is a very strange bubble to live in. Mm -hmm. There is a price mm -hmm. to be paid for sure. Yeah. And then it again comes with a lot of insecurity. Yeah. You know, I remember, I mean, back in the day when I did a lot of work with Michael Jordan, I remember being interviewed one time and the journalist said to him, I would love to be you for a day. What's that like? And he said, you don't get to be me for a day. You would have to be me forever to know what it's like. And it's true. Like he was, Ooh. when you're that famous, it's not like you get to dip in and dip out. You have to like play that role all the time. And I thought that was very, very telling. Um, okay, fame. Not everything it's cracked up to be. <laughs> That's breaking face. news. Breaking news. Okay, one more entertaining sisters thing I wanted to mention because it is in the breaking news category. I'm sure we have all read all of these stories about artificial intelligence and the new chat GPT program, right? You've seen it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like it's going yes. to ruin education. Our brains will stop working. It's, you know, it's going to take over the world or it's fine, whatever. It's fun. Well, I've tried to like understand like what is really happening with chat GPT? Like what, how could that play a role in my life and or not? Right. So I listened to a really great episode of a podcast called Hard Fork. Hard Fork is two technology reporters. Uh, one, uh, Kevin Roost works for the New York Times. The other one, Casey Newton, has his own substack called Platformer. And they're both super fun, super smart. So they did a whole episode last week on Hard Fork, where they interviewed an English teacher named Sherry Shields from Sandy, Oregon, about ChatGPT and what she thinks of it. And she teaches creative writing and college credit English, as well as advanced ninth grade English. But she is amazing. <laughs> it's like, it's such a fun description of what the program does or doesn't do, but also like how she is already using it in her classroom for like, really positive things. So it really made me think about my high school English teacher, Mrs. McGaw. You know how when you have a, like a great English teacher, it's like a, yeah. it's like a whole new world. That's the way Sherry Shields uh, struck me as someone who like you would just love to be in her classroom. But she had some very interesting observations about what what it's good for. She's not afraid of chat GPT. And a lot of their questions were like, well, don't you think the kids are going to be cheating? She's like, what? You don't think the kids haven't been cheating already? She said, she said, I, <laughs> she said, I have creative writing projects where people submit a story and it's the entire plot of a video game that I happen to know exists. <laughs> But they just assume <laughs> Mrs. Shields doesn't know anything about video games. So I'll just write the same story as the video game has. She said, my students are always surprised. The movies I have already seen, the video games I have already played. 
by the way, you're not going to get it by Mrs. Shields people. So, uh, so anyway, so she talks a lot about that and how the, what chat GPT can do for you, that it's really good at generating background information. Like she said, when, when I'm trying to get the students to write about a particular short story, chat, I can, you can ask chat GPT, what are some, what are some ways to approach this? What are some, um, if, what are some topics that would relate to to this story? And it can like in 10 seconds generate 10 different ways you could write about this story. And she said, it's one of my hardest jobs is when a student says to me, I don't know what to write about. She's like, okay, right. you can write about this or that. <laughs> and so she's finding it very useful, but mainly huh. what she's finding it useful in um, like short sprint writing assignments that they do in the classroom. She kept talking about, use it in the classroom. It's helpful in the classroom. It will help kids. It will help kids write. It will help kids structure their writing. It can be, it can be super helpful, but don't, you have to stop assigning them things and then they go home and write about it because that's where they're just going to find a way to use ChatGPT to do their homework. But if you're using it to like evaluate stories or come up with story ideas, um, it is really, really helpful. So um, anyway, I just thought, if you want, I know we have a lot of teachers in the Satellite Sisterhood. If you want to hear a teacher talk about how she thinks ChatGPT might be really great for the creative process in her classroom, um, the name of this show is Hard Fork, and I will put a link to this specific episode in the um, in the show notes. And I was thinking of you, Leanne, even as a writer. I mean, have you given right. any thought to this? chat GPT thing and what it means to you? I, I haven't. So I know there've been a lot of stories lately. I have just been working on revisions for my book. So I haven't been able to actually consume what, what exactly it is. So I have, yeah. I have zero opinion on this. So I will listen to this episode. I know I need to start because yeah. other people are all cranked up about it. I just haven't done enough research on it. Yeah. And I, I, she said, it's I, for one, don't like to comment on things I have not done. Oh, I have not on. learned about. <laughs> so I try she, not to. She it. especially said it's really great for generating lists of things. Like where if you want to know, like, where's all the Joan of Arc art in Paris? Boom. It's right there for you. <laughs> just, oh, okay. It's fit to write out. Stuff like that. Anyway. Huh. Um, all right. I, I just thought we're all going to have to learn to understand this. We're probably at some point all, all going to be using it. So this is a good way to like weigh into artificial intelligence and what is chat GPT to me. So there you go. Good tip, Liz. Okay, Liz, if you're driving around in your car with your uh, erase pen, it's hard fork is the name. Yes. Remember yes. our friend Liz from last week, writing yes. things down on her windshield, hard fork, Liz, hard fork. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we, I think we have to wrap here, Liz. We do. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah, we have to. Oh, wait, oh, all I right. Just right. one last thing. Again, with all the movie awards now, like it's all coming out. I saw the the Banshees of Inishirin won more awards this weekend. They keep calling it a com a comedy. I cannot say too often, people, it is not a comedy. I really loved that movie, but please don't go in thinking it's a comedy. That is all. Just needed to make that public service announcement.
Excellent. All right. A big thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio, for making our show sound great every week. A big thanks to our graphic designer, Emily Loudermilk. If you want to see Emily's work, you can um, follow us on Instagram at Sat Sisters or subscribe to Pep Talk. We'd love to have you, our weekly newsletter. Again, all the show notes are in Pep Talk. All the show notes are at our blog, Satellite Sisters. If you click on the blog, all the show notes are probably on the phone in your hand. So, <laughs> It's all there. Liz does the show notes. Um, Julie will be back next week. Liz, what's on your to-do list for the week? Well, you know how my uh, my goal for the year is to stretch it out a little bit, Leanne? Stretch it out. Stretch it out, but metaphorically, physically, educationally. I'm starting a new class this week. It's something I started doing during the pandemic, taking like nighttime adult education classes on subjects I was curious about. So this week, I realized like, one of the big gaps in my education is that where we grew up in New England, you really only learned about New England. And when you did right. like America, yes. it was like the 13 colonies and boom, then there was the Louisiana Purchase, boom, then there was Manifest Destiny, all done. America, how America was settled, which is obviously really wrong. So I am starting a um, a class tomorrow night that's called the American West, Past, Present, and Future. Because I realized, oh. even though I've lived in the West for quite a while now, I really don't know anything about the West. When when your kids were little, I remember all the stuff they were learning. They have to learn California history. I mean, growing up right. in Connecticut, we didn't learn about anything West of New Jersey. That wasn't happening no. in our educational <laughs> system. So, uh, it's yeah. True. It's so true. The West. People have been here for a really, really, really long time. And there are some very interesting issues that are kind of living and dying here in the West. So that's what I'm doing. I'm starting the class tomorrow night. No, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, I would say we didn't even really learn about the Civil War that much. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like that was a gap I had to sort of fill in. Uh, yeah, we, But we learned a lot of Revolutionary War history. That mm -hmm. we know. Yes. So, uh, yes. all right, Liz, that will be good. Well, I am just, as I said, buckling down, trying to finish the revisions on my novel. So that's it. You won't see me for the rest of the week. I'm trying to turn those in by Friday, Monday at the latest. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, so that's it. All right, Liz, have a great week. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.